Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Come on in. Find your seat. It is a good day to praise the Lord. Amen. It is Amen. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Let's stand and praise him together.
just take place. Amen. The trumpets sound and all of us would just take off except for a couple of you. 
And that'd be a good time to have an invitation right there. So we're glad to see everyone in God's house this morning. And if you're watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, thank you for uh, catching the service today. We pray that the Holy Spirit will bless you as you listen. And as the Holy Spirit works on all of us, may he do his work in your heart and my heart today. Let's go to him and ask him to show up. Our Father in heaven, we need you in this place this hour. Father, we need you to instruct us from your word. We need you to do something that drastically needs to be done for families as we talk about our responsibility in the families. God, we need to be the building blocks of society that you intended for the family to be. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, that we'd hear what our responsibility is, not what someone else's is, but what our responsibility is, and then do it with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to meet together today in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And I've got about a dozen announcements here, so I want to give them to you right away. My responsibility to my family uh, today. And then military meal will follow. Uh, So all those active military on the patio, we have uh, dinner or lunch for you. Uh, Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. And uh, why do we celebrate Martin Luther King Day? The day commemorates the life and the work of Dr. King, who was a Baptist minister, probably everyone knows that, and prominent leader in the American Civil Rights Movement. His actual birth date is January the 15th, 1929. I was encouraged to think about the importance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day by three African-American members of my previous church, Uh, and I just want us to think about it for a moment today. Think about what it must be like to be enslaved. I was reading in uh, the Word of God this morning about Israel being enslaved uh, by Pharaoh and by the Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Um, We were, as Americans, never have been enslaved. Um, We were colonies owned by the UK or founded by the UK, but we had a responsibility Uh, to God above our responsibility to the UK. And George Washington was a Revolutionary Army leader who we credit with uh, being kind of the father of our democracy and our republic. Uh, And yet we weren't slaves to the UK. We were colonists of the UK. So try to imagine how it would be to be a slave. And then try to imagine how it would be even after the Emancipation Proclamation to still have racism rule in so many parts of our life, and I'm afraid that that's the case in the United States of America. So people are encouraged to use this day to reflect on the principles of racial equality and nonviolent social change. And both of those things I'm, I'm very much for, racial equality and nonviolent social change. They were espoused by Dr. King. So tomorrow, uh, maybe set aside a little time, think about that, and uh, pray for our country, that the the, the racial divide, the other divides that are still prominent, too much so, uh, would go by the wayside. Next Sunday, my responsibility to First Baptist Church, to church in in particular. Also, it's Sanctity of Life uh, Sunday. We have a lot to celebrate this year for the first time since 1973 in regards to the sanctity of life. Teachers and workers are still needed in our Sunday school departments. Please, please, please yield to the Holy Spirit's leadership if he is still tapping you on the shoulder. Food collection is still taking place for homeless folks, and we gave several boxes of food already, and some more have come in. Thank you for that. Women's conference in March, 
sign-up table is in the back, and uh, Annabelle will be there after the service. There are eight spots left. Today, the first deposit is, or the deposit is due, $50, to hold your spot. So if you have not yet signed up, ladies, make sure you do so, and make sure you go ahead and do your, your deposit there. We're, church is taking care of about a little over a third of the cost, so uh, we're investing in you. Also, the new budget for the coming year for 2023 is on the table by the sound booth. We want you to, if you're so inclined, to take one, and we're going to vote on it, Lord willing, January the 29th. You have two weeks to review it. If you have any questions, give us a call. During Christmas, we gave away several gift cards. Uh, we have found out a couple of the cards did not work. So evidently, when you take them off the stand, you actually have to pay for them first. <laughs> Which we did, and we have the receipts. So if you had, I think they were children's cards or teacher's worker cards. If you had one that did not work or if you have one that doesn't work, see Laura. Laura, where are you? Right back in the back, waving her hand up high. See her or see me or Pat or Julie, and we will get it replaced. And evidently someone who was new on the job rang them up and didn't do them right. So wanted to mention that. Uh, Bailey and Jordan, where are you? Bailey and Jordan, would you stand up, please? Uh, we're so pleased to have this couple with us and uh, while he was in the United States Navy, but he's getting out, eight and done. So they're going to be going to uh, misery. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, I can say that. I, I went to school there. So they're going to the St. Louis area, is that right? So do you have a job lined up? Okay. Uh, what kind of job? Southwest. Uh, good for you, man. <laughs> Fix that mess, would you please? All right. Let's pray for them as they transition to civilian life after eight years in the military. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for Bailey and for Jordan and for their desire to unite with the church when they um, came into the San Diego area. We thank you that you let them hear. God, we know you've got a great place for them to serve you there in the St. Louis area. So we pray you'd be with them and bless them, their new uh, occupation, bless uh, their family. God, we thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to minister to folks while they're here and then send them out as missionaries to different places uh, across the country and sometimes even around the world to represent Christ to people who need the Lord. Bless them, we pray, and provide their needs in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you very much for being here, man. We love you guys. Uh, also, um, I'm almost to the end here. We have a woman of resolution. Uh, oh, before I do that, if you're a first-time guest, get one of these Connect cards in front of you, fill it out, turn them in to us, just hand them to us or put them in the offering box in the back. Almost, Sherry, not quite. Not quite there yet. All right. Uh, Frank Cora, uh, certificate of membership, publicly confessed Christ as his Lord and Savior, been received in full membership of First Baptist Church Coronado. Frank, where are you? Come on down here. Come on down. Pat, would you help me with that? Brand new member of First Baptist Church. And uh, is Annabelle Virgiles. Come on here, Annabelle. Also a brand new member. Gotten right in and gotten involved, plugged into the church. We thank you for that. God bless you. Hey, stay right here. Stay right here just a minute. Want everybody to know Frank? Want everybody to know Annabelle? Is, is Carrie Boat right here today? Carrie, is she here today? Come on down, Carrie. All right. We've got another brand new member. Somebody watch the little one there. That's okay. All right. Or is somebody watching your husband? Which is it? 
Okay. Yeah, okay. If we are glad for these folks and their decision to unite with First Baptist Church of Coronado, would you let it be known by saying amen? Amen. And give them a hand, too. All right. God bless you guys. I love you. Thank you so much for following the Lord's leadership and being here. Now, one more. Uno mas. And this is for uh, the women of resolution. And we have a video. We also have sign-up sheets. So Hi, after ladies. the video, Steve, if you could pass those sign-up sheets out, I'd appreciate it. So let's and go I ahead and watch I'm part of a video. women's ministry here in San Diego called Women of Resolution. We are dedicated to equipping women to live out biblical womanhood. I have found that women tend to give me two polar reactions when I bring up this topic. On the one hand, they say, well, you know, I, I think I know what biblical womanhood is, and I think I'm doing okay. I, I don't think I, I need that. Or they will look at me like a deer caught in headlights because all they can think about is the dreaded S word, submission. But do you know what the Bible says about a woman who resolves to live God's way. Proverbs 31, 25 tells us she is clothed in strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. What woman doesn't want that? Just 27 verses into the Bible, God calls us male and female. Our greatest calling on our lives is our womanhood. And that, in Christ, is where our power lies. It's no wonder that Satan is working overtime to try to destroy through our current culture what God has so beautifully intended. Would you please consider joining me in a 14-week study of biblical womanhood? It is a call to deepen your walk with Jesus and further embrace the woman he has created you to be. The study will begin Friday, February 3rd here at FBC. We will have alternate classes forming, so please feel free to contact me for more information. And gentlemen, Please feel free to inquire about our partner ministry here in San Diego, Men of Resolution. Ladies, God loves you, and he knows the desire of your heart. Would you please consider joining me in a study of biblical womanhood, living out your life in God's way? Because, trust me, it is right and it is good. Thank you, Sherry. We appreciate that. So we have two clipboards, one on each side. Ladies, consider going ahead and signing up for this. If you have any questions, you can see Sherry, and she'll be glad to give you answers on that. Let's uh, go ahead and sing. All right. Let's stand and worship together again.
Excellent, excellent worship. Thank you so much this morning. Is Fred okay? Okay, okay. Was, uh, he was here earlier, so I just want to see if we need to pray for him or whatever. Okay. All right, you may be seated. Young boys and girls, come on up here to the front. Just before you go to class, I'm going to talk to you for a minute and going to talk to you about my responsibility to my family, your responsibility to your family, assuming all of you have a family. How many of you are children? Let me see your hands. How many of you are children? That is 100%. That's the first time they've been 100% on anything. So we're all children. Here comes the little one right down the front here. This looks like a little Borden. Is that right? All right. All right. Welcome back. All right. Good to see you guys. How many remember Adam and Eve? How many remember that story? Adam and Eve. Do you remember Adam and Eve? How many know that God's the one who made up the whole idea of a family? How many know that? Yeah, God made, and God one day made Adam out of the dust of the earth, and then he took from Adam skin and bones and flesh and, and made Eve. I don't know how he did that, but it's pretty amazing. And then he brought Eve to Adam, and they became a family, and pretty soon they had little children, and that's how the family began. And do you know that you have a responsibility in your family as being a child to honor your father and your mother. And there's a principle given there. If you honor them, if you obey them, if you love them, then God is going to bless you and give you long life. And that's a great principle to cling on to. So how many of you are going to try to be the best boy or girl you can be in your home? How many are going to try to do that? All right. Not everybody. Okay. All right. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Uh, all right. I was, that, that 100% kind of got me there. I thought, I'm going to go for it. Go for the gold. So let's pray for every one of you. Let's bow our heads. Close your eyes. Father in heaven, I thank you for each girl, each boy before me here and beside me. God, I know that they are special, that you created them. You gave them life. You gave them a family. You gave them a mom or a dad, maybe both, or maybe grandparents who are helping raise them. Lord, you gave them what they have. All the good things that we have come from you. I pray that you'd help these boys and girls to love you, to serve you, to love their parents and to serve them. And Lord, we pray that one day they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior if they haven't already. And that way they become your child and you become their father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all the boys and girls said, amen. All right, you can go ahead and go to your classes. Huh? You like that? That's good. That kid's going to be a preacher. I just know he is. I mean, I've never had anybody say, I love your sermon notebook before. But uh, all right, my responsibility to my family. How many know this uh, verse? First comes love, then comes marriage, then along comes the baby carriage. How many have ever heard of that? Okay, all right. Unfortunately, that's not always the order of things today, but it ought to be. The very first institution in the world was not that of government. It was not the church even. As great as the church is, it was the home. Uh, that record's found in Genesis chapters 2 and 3. If you want to turn there, I'll be there in just a moment. And it consisted of, are you ready for this? Uh, in spite of what the world teaches, what the country teaches us today, it was made up of one woman and one man brought together, cleaving to each other. And since the very beginning, Almost every society, almost every society for the last however many 
five, six, seven thousand years the earth has been here, almost every society has recognized a traditional family definition of a man and a woman joined together, then producing children. That's the traditional structure for all of human history until our enlightened age in which we live today. Several years ago, Tim LaHaye, how many know Tim LaHaye? Know who I'm talking about? It was a great friend, great personal friend. Tim LaHaye wrote an article entitled The Neglected Family. In that article, he listed enemies of the home. Now, I want you to fasten your seatbelts because some of these things are going to be jarring to you if you're, if you're uh, kind of in the mode of what the world believes about it. Uh, one of the enemies of, of, of the family is government. And this idea of separation of church and state, excising God from all of society is not what it's all about. It's about the government not telling you who you have to worship or if you have to worship or when you have to worship. Uh, but rather, it's, it's the government not making you and forcing you. But it's not the role of government to keep God out of our society. Media. TV, radio, film, I don't even think I have to go there and explain very much. If you watch TV, if you listen to the radio, if you go to movies, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Materialism is an enemy of the home. Urbanization, you say, what? Urbanization? I, 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 Dr. Al Mohler talks about, and you can get several of his briefings online, uh, podcasts, but he's an, an incredibly brilliant individual. And he talks about the closer you get to the coast, the closer you get to uh, to uh, Cities, uh, big cities, metropolitan areas, and the closer you get to universities, the more liberal that society is. So check it out. I haven't found that that's wrong in most cases. Um, So urbanization, divorce, no-fault divorce is an enemy of the family. Women's lib movement, feminism is an enemy of the home. Pornography is an enemy of the home. It destroys homes. It destroys children. It destroys men. It destroys women. Women are also involved in in the pornography uh, area. Drugs, legal drugs. Now it's okay. You can smoke pot. We watch we we, we watched the series uh, Dragnet, Badge Seven Fourteen. You remember that? Back about a hundred years ago. You don't remember that. It was 1968. You do not remember that. <laughs> okay. And, and so they were talk. one whole episode was talking about the evils and dangers of marijuana. I mean, and, ta- and just went right down the list and talked about how it destroyed and how it was gateway and how it caused uh, DNA problems and how it caused issues mentally and so on. Uh, so, so now they're legal and now uh, the government's involved in taxing and now it makes money on the sale of substances that are going to be harmful. Uh, and paraphernalia provided. We have free needles and free places where you can shoot up and whatever else. Rock music. Uh, and I, I, I love the music of my era. I do. I'm not completely glorified yet. I'm not completely sanctified yet. I told you my favorite gospel group is Creedence Clearwater Revival. <clears throat> but I'm going I'm to specify rap music with the lyrics that are uh, that talk about women and talk about them in demeaning ways uh, and, and other. I love country western music. I, you know, in heaven there's going to be two kinds of music, country and western. And uh, uh, that, that, that's not true. Uh, but anyhow, some of those words, uh, some of those lyrics are not bad. Homosexuality, gender confusion, uh, our enemies of the home, ignorance of what the Bible teaches about the home, uh, public schools, secularism. Now, you might agree or disagree with these things, or you might be somewhere in between. You may think, well, public schools? 
<clears throat> it's too harsh a generalization, but what about the permissivism taught? What about the atheism taught? What about the humanistic philosophies? What about CRT, critical race theory? What about boys in the girls' locker rooms? Uh, the Bible and, and prayer have not been welcome in, in public schools since I think it was 1962. Guns and bullets are more common in the halls of our schools than our Bibles. Think about that. The average student spends 12,000 hours in school from K through 12 in that particular environment. Television, let's talk about it for a second. Uh, it exalts perversion, divorce, infidelity, homosexuality, anti-Americanism, ridicule of God, and gentlemen, ridicule of fathers and husbands. Most men, if it's a married couple at all, which most of the time it's not, if it's a married couple at all, most of the time, the men are personified as bumbling fools. <clears throat> ridicule of religion, ridicule of decency, and yet children spend, I'm told, 10,000 hours watching TV during their school years, not to mention screen time now on iPads and video games and so on. So the government, more and more, is all about overtaxation, is all about intrusion, welfareism, IRS persecution of Christian ministries, blocking ministries with, uh, with zoning laws, too many laws contrary to uh, the Christianity and to the home. And now, um, before the Supreme Court, this last, not too long ago, there was a case, I'm not sure how it turned out or if it, well, they haven't got the ruling yet, uh, but a, a web designer who's a Christian was approached by uh, a group uh, LGBTQ plus whatever group, uh, wanting him to design a web page for them. And it's, it's before the Supreme Court. He, I mean, he maybe will have to do that or, or pay whatever price it is, close down his business or go to jail. I don't know what the price is for that. But, uh, but law is contrary to Christian and to the home. Um, not too long ago, not too many years ago, there were some laws being enforced about Bible study fellowships in people's homes. Having a home Bible study was they were trying to make it illegal and trying to keep you from doing that. Uh, and here we sit as Christians on our hands. Let me ask you this question. How high a priority do you think most people place on the family, on their home? No nation has survived the loss of traditional family life. So why aren't we fighting tooth and claw for our marriages, for our families? The best way to fight for our family is to practice the teachings of the word of God. In God's master plan for humanity, the family is the building block of society. Traditional definition to expand a little bit more because there are some uh, families where there's not, it's not a husband and wife. There are some families where there's maybe father and, and adult children or, or mom and dad and adult children or grandparents living with uh, family. But here's one. Two or more people related by bonds of marriage or blood who customarily maintain a common residence. Traditional. The trend in new definitions a group of people of whichever sex or whatever sex living together and functioning as a single household, usually consisting of parents and their children. Uh, families used to consist of mom and dad, children, perhaps grandparents, aunts and uncles. Today, everyone in the traditional family is at risk. Alternative families are becoming more and more acceptable. Uh, communes, live-in situations, homosexual domiciles, polygamy, polyamorous relationships, non-binary, uh, anything, everything seems to go. Uh, you add to that the traditional families where there's maybe one parent in the home uh, through 
no fault of that one parent or through fault of that parent either way. Uh, you have kids being brought up who feel rejected, who don't feel like they've been accepted. That's why gangs are able to thrive the way they do with young people because there's a place where they are accepted no matter what and they, they become part of something. If the walls of this auditorium represent our society, then the beams and the two-by-fours and the four-by-sixes are the families. And if you take the beams, these, these big beams, and the two-by-fours and the four-by-sixes out of those walls, I will promise you they will fall down in short order. And so America needs to beware because our families are being attacked. Paul Pot and Kamar Rouge tried to figure out a replacement for the traditional family. China still tries to figure out a replacement for the traditional family, and those places uh, are, are uh, havoc for uh, traditional family life. The, the hope and the only hope for our society is to return to God's standards as our national standard. So these, th there's some truth about our responsibility to God. And I'll get into Scripture right now. It's a long introduction. Please uh, forgive me. I just needed to say that. God established the family, first of all. He laid the foundation in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took out one of his ribs. Did you know the strict meaning of the Hebrew word for rib that's translated into English rib there means beam or side? So we're talking about the beam on the side here. So God took from Adam, bone and flesh, um, a, a, a rib or, or beam or the side, closed up the flesh thereof. There's the first surgery in the word of God right there. The, and the first anesthesia, too. God put him to sleep. And, uh, and verse 22, the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And man said, now this is now bone of my bones, which means it's the essence. If this is me, the essence of me uh, and my flesh and my body, and she should be called woman, uh, which in Hebrew means wife or opposite of man because she was taken out of of man. Verse 24, therefore shall a man leave, that's the depart from his father and mother, shall cleave, there's the clinging to, being joined together, becoming one flesh, uh, and they shall be one flesh, one unit, one body. Verse 25, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So here God orders the oneness of flesh. First of all, he takes Adam and takes from Adam uh, that building materials that he builds the woman with, and then he brings her back and say, now you need to leave father and mother. Now, I know they didn't have a father and mother. Uh, the upside was they didn't have a mother-in-law. Uh, so <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just just a little levity here. Uh, uh, but, but they were to leave father and mother as a pattern for us and be joined unto each other, that, that new responsibility, that new bond uh, trumps the other completely. And so he ordered the oneness of flesh. He brought them two to, together to make one again. And so, folks, we need, I need this woman right here. I need her, male, female, husband, wife. God ordained, not my idea, God's idea, not some um, pope or Baptist preacher or whatever else idea, God's idea. It's God ordained. It is foundational for the home, for the nation, for the society. God made woman and man together for companionship, for communion, for procreation, for pleasure, 
and to be complete one another. So God created man in his own image, Genesis 1. In the image of God created he male and female. He created them and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And Gen- Genesis 2.20, And Adam gave names to all of the uh, cattle and all the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. God brought all the different animals before him and said, You name them. Uh, what an intellect he must have had. What an ability to be able to, to come up with names for all the different animals, all the different birds, uh, all of that. And then he says, when it was all over, he says, Where's mine? Where's my help meet? Where's, where's the one who's going to stand with me and be with me and be a help and a comfort and a blessing to me? And God intended for all mankind to find fulfillment individually and collectively through the practice of good family living. Secondly, God designed the functions of the family. The family serves as a, as a school of identification. We learn who we are through the family. We learn how to be ourselves through the family. We learn the meaning and the purpose of life, or we should, through our family. We learn the sense of intimacy and belonging from our family, or we should. All of these things maybe are not true in your family. Those of us with identity problems reflect the failure of the family to fulfill this function. I, I don't know if it's accurate or not. I credit my mom with helping me with my identity I never was, even though I was brought up in the 60s, I never was one who had to go find himself. I always knew where I was. Every time I turned around, I was right there. And I'm, I make light of it, but I, I, I didn't have to try to discover. Because I, I got, you know, one of the blessings I had, I got saved when I was a young child. The age of some of these boys and girls that are up here. I was about eight years old, so I, I, really, I was a Christian. I was a child of God. I wasn't an accident. My shortcomings were, were not anything to, to, to get depressed about because God made me a certain way with certain strengths and certain weaknesses. And he loved me in spite of my weaknesses and he could help me with my weaknesses. He's still helping me with some of those weaknesses on Interstate 5. I'm doing a lot better, by the way. I've been convicted about my preaching uh, or by my preaching. So uh, the family serves a school of identity. It serves also as a school of socialization. We learn how to be civilized in the family, or we should. We learn how to treat each other the right way, or we should. We know how to know others and relate. We learn the first lesson is love, and husbands are to love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He he died for her, And and I always have in my wedding ceremonies, I always say, if you love her enough to die for her, then shouldn't you love her enough to live for her? To put her on that pedestal, to lift her up, to recognize the gift of God that she is to you. Not to demean her, not to tear her down, not to, not to intimidate her, not to be mean to her. We learn another respect, another lesson, that's respect for authority in the home. Yes, I did fear my mom and dad. Yes, I did. Did I cower and shake in my boots and, and, and weep whenever they came home? No. But, well, I did some weeping after dad came home on some occasions uh, when I deserved it. 
respect for authority. The, 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 the family serves as a school of revelation. God reveals himself through family roles and responsibilities. He reveals himself as the father. Now, when that becomes a problem is when you had a father in the home that was not a Christian, not living for God, not treating you right, not maybe being abusive verbally or otherwise, then that becomes a problem to transfer that same respect and obedience and honor to someone in the sky or in heaven that you can't really see, it becomes a problem. And that's not your fault that that happened that way. But you need to discover that the heavenly father is perfect. He never fails us. Malachi 2.10 says, have we not all one father? He relates to us as a groom relates to his bride. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. There's that dreaded S word, submission. Well, I like to remind everybody that in verse 21, before verse 23, obviously that's 21, 22, 22, before verse 23, it says submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. There's a mutual submission in marriage. But the husband, the husband again, God wrote this, not me, not some Baptist preacher. God wrote this. The husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to the husbands and everything. Well, let's draw a line. If your husband asks you to do something illegal, should you obey him? Absolutely not. If he asks you to do something immoral, should you obey him? Absolutely not. Because there is a higher authority, the chain of command. Military community understands about chain of command. And when the higher authority says something, that's why the federal laws take precedent over state laws, a higher authority. The family also, so, so therefore, as the church subject to Christ, let the wives be to everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So it's a school of relationship, parent-child relationship and husband-wife relationship illustrating his personal relationship with us. He says, in, in terms we can understand, you must be born again. We know what it is to be born. We understand what it is to have a baby come into the world. So he says, you want to be spiritually alive and have spiritual life, not just for a time, but forever, then you've got to be born again. You've got to be born spiritually. You've got to be putting your faith. You've got to receive Christ as your Savior. Psalm 103 says, like as the father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. And Ephesians 4, 6, we have one God, one father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. He must have been from the south. He's in you all. Isaiah 66, 13, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. So he's not only shown as a father, but in Psalm, in Isaiah 66, 13, he's shown, uh, he, he, there's a simile there uh, of being a mother who comforts. And I'm going to tell you something, moms are a lot better at comforting their children. My kids still, if they have a, some kind of a scratch or a sore or something, they don't dare tell me. It's like I go, does that hurt? Pat says, what is wrong with you? I don't know. But mom will go get the Snoopy Band-Aids. And, and, and back in the day when you had the, uh, you know, st- st- the red stuff, Macurachrome, she, she would draw a little heart around the wound. And I'm going like, does it hurt? 
And she's putting bandages on a cast and a sling and, you know. So moms are much, much better. That's why I think he chose as a mother comfort, so will I comfort you. Scriptures also refer to brothers and sisters. Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 15, he says, we, we're adopted into God's family uh, and and calling him father, dear father. And so we are adopted into his family. He becomes our family. We become our father, rather. We become sisters and brothers. Number three, God extended the family. It's part of the purpose of the church, part of the pattern for the church. Hebrews 2.10, and it was only right that God who made everything and for whom everything was made should bring his children into glory through the suffering of Jesus. God made him a perfect leader, one fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That's why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. We become not only brothers and sisters to each other. In fact, I was brought up in a, well, I wasn't brought up in a church. I was, from the time I was a sophomore in, uh, in high school until sophomore in college, that's what they called each other, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. When they first did it, I thought it was weird. Kind of wigged me out. Well, hello, brother Jim. I ain't your brother. What are you talking about? And I got to where I'd call my preacher brother Leverett. And it was perfectly fine. And Bible college is the same thing. Uh, but, uh, but we become not only brothers and sisters of one another. We become brothers and sisters with Jesus himself. He's our big brother. Our priorities ought to be family, faith, future. Uh, and, and the primary family is the building block of our collective and adoptive family. Number four, God preserves the family. He is protected the family through the ages. He, he desires to build strong families, strong marriages, and stable, loving homes. And he does so through two ways. He does so through the word of God. This is the, the most reliable, the only absolutely reliable home, how to, how to do home right book in the whole wide world, right here, God's. Through the word of God and through prayer. Is how we build godly homes. So are we cooperating with his plans? Husbands, there's so much to be said here. Are you, you're supposed to lead. You're supposed to set the example, not just in uh, maybe protecting the family and providing for the family, uh, physical, material needs, food, shelter, clothing, so on. But how about spiritual leadership? How good are we at that? I'll just point out this. I don't know how many women's groups we have going on. And we got a men's group that meets once a month. It's quiet in here, isn't it? We got Women Resolution starting up. We've got um, BSF uh, going. We've got, um, I don't know, I guess maybe those are the only two right now. I'm not sure. No, is there something else? Nancy's study. We got Nancy's study, Nancy Trotter's study, and... So, you know, ladies are always, yeah, I want to go on a retreat. I want to learn more about how to serve God. And it's like, guys, you want to go on a retreat? We're going to shoot something? We're going to shoot something. I'm, I'm Sign me up. We're supposed to lead, supposed to set the example, supposed to show the way. This applies to spiritual matters as well as all of us. We are supposed to love our wives. Our kids ought to say, you know what? My dad loves my mom. Marriages are not always made in heaven, but they're here on earth. A nervous best man one time gave a toast at a reception 
They said, one thing I know is that marriage is made in heaven, but then again, so is thunder and lightning. Now, he didn't have a real good concept of what he was saying. He should have written that down and practiced it a little bit more. Wives, you're supposed to respect and love your husband. You just submit to his leadership at home. God made us so completely different from each other in every way imaginable. Um, I always say, you know, I can go through anything if my wife's by my side. A whole bunch of you can turn on me, and I'm okay as long as she's on my side. My best friend, my cheerleader, my lover, my cook, <laughs> my laundry doer, my decorator of the house. If she weren't around, I'd have motorcycle parts in the living room. I'm promising you I would. Children would obey their parents, to respect their parents, to care for their parents. And you know what? Jesus had a confrontation with the religious crowd on one occasion where they had not been taking care of their parents and they had made up some reason why they couldn't take care of their parents because what I have is dedicated to God and so I've got to use it just for God and I, I, I can't, I, I'd love to help you, Dad. I'd love to help you, Mom, but I, you know what? Your mom and dad gave you birth. They gave you life. And they never quit being your mom or your dad. So if you have to wind up changing their diapers and feeding them someday, they did it for you. It's our way of getting even with our kids. <laughs> Parents, you're to love and discipline your children. You don't really discipline them. You don't really love them. Let them do whatever they want to do. They're going to get in trouble. You're to teach your children. We're not to frustrate our children. Read the bulletin later on. It, I wrote a thing that I saw found several years ago that I really think was good, so check it out. Number five, God equips us so the family can be successful. Your family can be successful. You say, man, preacher, you don't know about my family. No, I don't, but God does, and God's word works and you can make a change. You say, well, I, I wish I would, but my spouse, they're not having it. You can make a world of difference just with your own attitude. God equips us by being spirit-controlled completely. Be not drunk with wine, we're in success, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with care, Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Shouldn't call each other names unless it's like honey or sweetie pie or boo-boo or something like that that I don't want to hear from you because it'll make me nauseous. But anyhow, <laughs> but not bad words. Not, you should never do that. By submitting to each other mutually, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ sacrificing willingly, giving of yourself, giving of your time, putting the other person ahead of you, your, their needs ahead of your needs, their wants ahead of your wants. It's up to both parties in a marriage to give and to sacrifice. Someone said marriage takes, is a 50-50 is a proposition. 
I think if marriage is a 50-50 proposition, you've got trouble. Because if you're only half committed, there's a problem. It should be 110% and 110% committed. And not like the guy whose who's wife said, honey, you, you never tell me you love me. He said, I told you when we got married, I love you. And if it ever changed, I'd let you know. That's not, that doesn't fly. My wife probably gets tired of me saying that. She says she doesn't, but she's probably lying. But I say it so much. And I mean it. I'm not just saying it, I mean it. You say, well, preacher, I used to love my spouse, but I... I don't even, I don't so much anymore. Well, well, what other sins are in your life? What do you mean? It's a sin not to love my husband. What do you mean? You're commanded to love your spouse in the word of God. It's not an option. And if you're not doing it, you're disobeying God. Well, how do you, I, I, I just be faking it. If you practice it, it becomes real and habitual. Love each other. The Bible says we're to nourish and cherish. To nourish is to care for, provide a sustenance, physically and spiritual, necessary for life. To cherish is to treat with affection and tenderness, to hold dear. The idea here is to be like Jesus was, not just to seek to be served in your home and in your marriage, but to seek to serve. I don't know. I think I learned this from my uncle. I do the dishes at our house. If Pat gets up and starts scraping stuff off, I knock it off. I got it. It's my job. But why would I do dishes? Because I love her. I don't really get a thrill out of doing dishes. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I do them really well, though. I do, yeah. But I do it because I love her. Because our home is 110 and 110%, not 50, 50, or 40, 30, or 60, 40, or whatever else. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise the wife to her husband. We have physical, mental, spiritual, sexual debts to one another. Another thing I haven't mentioned, but is in closing, I need to say is you need to pray together. Maybe read the Word of God together. Maybe, maybe that doesn't work so well. I, 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 I get up in the morning and do my devotions. She stays up till who knows what time doing her devotions. If I try to wait and do it when she does it, I'd be asleep in, in the first paragraph or so. But do you devotion? But but we pray together. I think we've prayed together every day of our fifty-three plus years that I've been home, and she's been home. I think we've prayed together probably every day. Maybe maybe we missed a day or two. I don't know. Whether marriages are made in heaven or not, I don't know. But I do know God's word, and Jesus said, "For what God hath joined together, let no one separate." Leaving and cleaving godly homes make a difference in this country. Would you bow your head?
Would you give some thought right now? Would you right now? Don't don't think about where you're going when you get through. Don't think about what you're having for lunch. Don't, think about your role. If you're married, think about your marriage. Think about your relationship. Is it good? Is it godly? Can it be better? Our Father in heaven, I thank you that you gave us a handbook on happiness for marriage. You gave us a book of success for marriage. And Lord, I know some people hurting out here that have unique situations that maybe maybe it sounds trite to say the Bible can fix whatever's wrong, but I just really believe the Bible can fix whatever's wrong. We have to have faith. We have to have patience. We have to obey you. And if we do those things, then you'll bless in amazing ways. So, Father, help husbands and wives cleave to each other. Cling to one another. Renew their commitment to one another. Make fresh that covenant that they made with you and their spouse. Maybe at an altar, maybe in a civil ceremony. God bless this country. Bring us back to your standards. Bring us back to your truth. Help us to right the things that are wrong. Beginning in our own life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? If you'd like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'll be down here. Ryan, where are you? Where's Ryan? Is he outside? He's right back in the back section. Guys, if you want to talk to somebody, there he is. Here I am. My wife is here. Rachel, wave your hand back there. Ladies, in the very back and right here. And and we've got uh, Sherry right here. So... If you want to receive Christ, come say, I just want to, I just want to be saved. I want to know I'm going to heaven one day. I want Christ in my life. If you want to rededicate your heart to the Lord, if you want to rededicate your home, come and let us know. We'll rejoice with you as we sing our invitation. Come on right now. This invitation is for you.
God's house today and let's take the principles of the Lord God at home and let's plug them in and apply them and repent for where we failed and make sure that we serve God and each other the way that we should. I'm going to ask Terry, would you dismiss us in order of prayer, sir? All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for our families, the families that we came from, the families that we have established. Thank you, Lord, for this church family, for what you're doing in our lives through it. Lord, as we leave this place today, may we recommit ourselves to the great family of God and to the families you've given us. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Lord's Day.